You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast. I am one of your hosts, Derek, and I've got my other host with me here, Ryan. Hello. Hello. And we are your Nicolas Cage movie review podcast, where we spin a wheel to find out which Nicolas Cage movie we're going to talk about next time on the show. This episode, we are covering the 2009 film, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Which is a reboot of the original Bad Lieutenant movie, allegedly. It is both somehow a reboot. And a sequel and a standalone and a has nothing to do with anything kind of thing. I don't know. It's very confusing. There's um, like a one character that shares a name with somebody in that movie, but other than and there's a fact that somebody's a lieutenant. Yeah. Other than that, I don't think there's much in common. Yeah, Harvey Keitel's character in the original and Nick Cage's character in this one are similar like archetypes, I guess. But no. yeah, so this movie. Uh, is about uh, Terrence McDonough is a drug and gambling addled detective in post-Katrina New Orleans investigating the killing of five Senegalese immigrants. That is the general synopsis. That's a fair synopsis, I think. Um, and yeah, this is, he, he likes doing films in New Orleans. Yeah, me and uh, my girlfriend that was watching this movie with me said that we should definitely add that to the the bingo card. <laughs> as an option yeah because right now we have uh takes place in las vegas which is where he lives so we know he loves that that place but yeah at least four of our movies have had taken place in new orleans that we've watched so far so zondali and stolen both did and Uh sunny uh, oh sunny and adaptation yeah 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 no adaptation was florida everglades not new orleans swamp never mind still Uh, still i mean Five, four, four or five. Yeah, that's yeah. quite a bit. Well, including this, five. More than 10%. Right. So. Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this movie co-stars a few other people, including Eva Mendez, Val Kilmer, Exhibit, um, Feyruza Balk, Jennifer Coolidge, Michael Shannon, just to name a few people who pop up throughout the film, though some of those roles are smaller than others. Uh, Ryan, do you have notes for us to cover? I do. I was trying to figure out if this movie was before or after uh, MacGruber. MacGruber? I, I, it yeah. was. Okay. 2009, MacGruber was 20, 2010 because Val Kilmer did MacGruber. And that was the most recent movie I remember him doing before uh, he had his throat uh, cancer diagnosis and started... Uh, not acting as much so yeah this was one of his last movies he did um yeah i take notes and uh you know things that happen that are interesting or just things to help me remember what happened in the movie um and yeah be it i'll I'll preface this with derek and i have both been sick yes uh so if there's some sniffles i apologize derek is supposed to edit all of those out painstakingly one by one so if you can blame him if you hear any sniffles or coughs. I will not be removing um, them. <laughs> but also I'm saying that because I feel like I don't remember this movie at all, even though it's been like two days. Because you um, watched it during like a fever dream. And... Right, exactly. Not quite as bad as the crudes, but similar. <laughs> um, I think it's important to note that this movie is really divisive. If you go look at like critic scores and even uh, user reviews on any of the major sites... Uh, there's a there's some people that are like 10 out of 10 best Nick Cage movie ever uh, and then there's a lot of people that are like this is garbage this is the worst movie I've ever seen it's really terrible you know I mean yeah. the the featured review on IMDB the t- just the title is wickedly funny black comedy that borders on satire now I gotta be honest with you bud that is not what I took away from this movie right <laughs> <laughs> um, it is not let's see what is it classified as i'm trying to find a it's, it's classified as a crime drama so i okay. think if you found it funny that was unintentional right 
aside from yeah. maybe a well, few drug yeah, addict moments. I think maybe people just find caginess funny. Yeah. Um, so that probably is what that is. But anyway, uh, we can start at the beginning. My first note is snake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a I heavy have... focus on reptiles throughout this whole movie. Dude, I I don't understand that. Like, at least with the snake, you didn't get any weird snake vision like you do with the other reptiles that we see later yeah. on in the movie. But apparently there's a fact that goes along with this. Apparently, so the snake is in water and to get the water to look like river water, it took 2,400 cans of decaf coffee. And that is apparently according to the film's director, which we didn't mention is Werner Herzog. Yes. So Um, I also, yeah, you know, you're in the description that this takes place after Hurricane Katrina. I don't think that was really pertinent to the movie at all except in maybe the very beginning that that's the key there what we see so the water has filled up um the prison area the jail cell area of a police station or a prison it's kind of unclear what building they're they're in um like five and a half five feet and that is because of the katrina flooding right but beyond that there's like no real relevance to anything the only thing i can think of is maybe an I am not an expert on any of this. Maybe the way the drug groups worked themselves out was due to Katrina and they were able to come into power or what, or what have your territory because of that. I don't know. Maybe it just seemed like they could have used anything, anything it did or any time period and made it work. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the flood flooding... is not hard to, to figure out. Right. So yeah, at the very beginning, there's just like a snake swimming in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's kind of ends up swimming towards a prisoner, but it cuts to uh, Nick Cage and Val Kilmer, and they are apparently two cops. Um, they're going through this prison for some reason. Oh, because another cop asked them to pick up some stuff from their locker, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then they hear cries from uh, uh, somebody in the is still in the prison, uh, but when they're going through this guy's locker, there's a joke about maybe he's got nudie pics of his wife in there. And so they do find nudie pics of his wife and we get topless women, which is a K joke. So, yeah, I wasn't sure if that counted or not. Cause we I mean, it's topless women. Yeah, but you don't see anything. It's all you can like... see it if you freeze frame it. I'm sure. Oh, okay. Ryan did I some research. Frame it. No, no yeah, it's I fine, man. It. <laughs> but it's clearly naked pictures of a woman. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, Fair enough. So they yeah they hear these shouts and they go down to where the prison is and there's this prisoner in in a cell still uh, which is probably horrifying after Katrina uh, you know this the water is rising and this the snake is moving towards him and uh, you know these two cops are just standing there above the water pretty much just taunting him uh, I, I this was a point where I said Nick Cage plays an asshole because that's also a Kjo uh check check mark on our card. Um but somehow he's not the biggest asshole in the room because Val Kilmer is even worse. I mean everybody pretty much is an asshole in this movie. Almost um, almost everybody, which is again a thing that happens in a lot of Nick Cage movies for some reason. But yes, he is just a giant asshole. He's like, I don't want to get my suit wet. And the guy's like begging for his life. Um and eventually he jumps over the the balcony like the railing to get into the water to presumably to get this prisoner out um and then it just kind of cuts to black we don't see him get the prisoner out and he he gets he's in like a doctor's office or something talking about how he like compressed his spine or something along those lines and so now he has like a major back injury this was like three months later or six months later something like that I didn't catch a time period because I was going to ask if they actually threw it because they throw a time card on towards the end when they jump ahead a year. But yeah, there I didn't catch one this time. Yeah, I think there was one, but I think it was it was just like three months or something. So, yeah, he's he clearly has they talk about how he has like terrible back issues now. And uh, which, you know, if you're a Nick Cage fan and you've seen as many movies of his as we have, you know that he loves playing with a physical ailment. Um, you know, like the one where he had his eye that he like was trying to hold closed the whole time we, with Anakin Skywalker, you know, and it was like he was he was really <laughs> trying the whole time. 
Uh, Ryan's referring to the film Outcast. Outcast, (laughs) that's what it is. Um, But yeah, in this, I thought he did a pretty good job. You could tell he was really like leaning into the back injury. Whenever Mm -hmm. he like knelt down throughout the movie, he like had the straight back like somebody would with a bad back. Um, He did a pretty dang good job, I think. There was no real like problems with that for me. Um, No, I I thought it was pretty good. I did wonder like if they had helped him at all by doing maybe putting like a lift in one shoe or or something like that to help give him an off kilter walk on, you know, automatically or if it was. Yeah, even when he's walking, you can see like he's like crooked, like one shoulder is way higher than the other. Um, I thought he handled that pretty well. It, It really looked uncomfortable. From yeah that point forward and it's I, honestly i think that's probably the reason because he this is he's come out and said this is one of his favorite movies that he's ever done mm. and i think you know for him it's any anytime he gets to like fully embrace a like when you, he gets a little something extra to do with the character where he's not just like embracing the mind of the character but the body also and he gets to like do mm-hmm. a little bit more than just his facial acting and things like that. He gets to use his whole body for a role like this. And I think that's what he really enjoys doing. Um, oh, you know, think, even in Pig, he was like hunched over a lot. And his yeah. like, so a lot of these other movies that he's talked about that he really liked doing were movies where he had different physical kind of things going on. I think at least from my perspective, I think it probably helps him get into the mindset of whoever he's trying to probably be because he's not, he can't move like he would normally just personally move um and by the way just going going back real quick about why it's in new orleans according to imdb that was his call originally it was set in new york but he changed it to new orleans to specifically help the town after katrina by bringing a production down there that's cool so and i mean yeah that that was probably great for them i'm sure they appreciated it and it kind of showed i mean i don't think this was a very big movie but it still kind of showed you know what was going on down there for people that hadn't really seen it other than the news when it first happened yeah unfortunately it did not perform well it only made 10 million oof yeah, yeah. that's rough yeah um okay so going back to my notes he, uh casual drug use so after he leaves the doctor's office he gets into like what what is this cop car which is just like some sort of mercury version of the crown vic or something like that not that that's relevant but for car people it is like me and Derek. But yeah, he puts some like cocaine. Well, we presume it's cocaine. I guess it could have been like crushed up Vicodin because he does have a prescription for pain pills. But I, I'm at this point, you weren't really sure. But throughout the movie, you learn it's probably cocaine or, you know, some other hard drug. And they he confirm just, it's coke later. OK, yeah. And he just yeah. snorts. He just snorts a line of it off his hand. So I had casual drug use uh, on my uh, on my next note. Um, and then I have fish living in a cup. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought that was a little odd too. Cause like, so he goes to this house where this horrible, horrific murder has taken place of this family. Yeah. Five, five people or something. mm -hmm, Some of them children. And he finds like this note that seemingly is written by a kid about his fish. And I'm like, I'm looking around, like I don't see a fish tank or anything, but then he literally picks up like a drinking glass and there's a beta in the drinking glass. Now to be fair, if you go to, you know, your Petco, PetSmart type places, betas are sold in these tiny little plastic cups and they just stack them in the store so like i know that's not great but i suppose that does happen so so if we have any biologists listening you correct me if i'm wrong any fish experts but um i believe that betas are specifically a fish that that you don't want to give them a big tank they they don't do well in a big tank they do well in smaller enclosures that's just my understanding. I'm not an expert by any means, but I swear at some point somebody that was more of an expert on betas had t- has told me that. So, that- so I, I had a beta in college. Um, and what I was told was they can that the only thing I was told was don't put them in a tank with other aggressive fish. If they're the well, only aggressive also fish, true, yeah. but you can put them with like docile fish. As long as you do that, everything's fine. Um, so I did, I was my King, you know, beta floating around the top and then all these other little fish. It was pretty cool. Yeah, this isn't super relevant to the movie, but it is, you know, a good, uh, fishy discussion, I guess. <laughs> um, but <laughs> going learning about to, each other. Okay. Yeah, right. you know. Going back to a movie. Uh, so throughout this movie, I don't know if this bothered you at all, but it bothered me. Like he carries his gun in the weirdest way. 
Oh, like, because it's like right in the front. He always has the gun like right in like his belly, like with the barrel pointing right at his penis. Like, yeah, I mean, if that goes off, he's having a particularly bad day. I feel like maybe that was a choice for the back injury. Like he can't pull pull it out of a holster as easily. But I don't understand how that. I mean, I don't have a back injury, so I guess I can't speak to it. But it doesn't seem like a holster would really need your back as much as just your arm. But I don't know. He maybe, chooses to keep this gun really obviously in the front of his pants. Maybe it has to do with the shoulder. Maybe he can't bring the shoulder back as far now with the back injury. Maybe. Right. Or to maybe, he uses, maybe he uses the gun to just like intimidate people. He because he well, does he that definitely the movie. does that. So yeah. maybe that's the easiest place to keep it so other people can see it. I mean, that's fair. Um romantic interest 10 years younger, which is on our bingo card, our Kjo card. Um, so that was yep. this is when we meet uh Eva Mendez. Uh, feels was, like a little bit of cheating because we got that in Ghost Rider, or you know, but we haven't watched, we haven't reviewed Ghost Rider yet. Oh, she's but, not in Spirit of Vengeance, no, she's not. She's like, but <laughs> but yeah, I did have on the note that she was also his love interest in Ghost Rider just because we haven't reviewed that yet on the show, but we did on another show, and uh, yeah, where we both have seen the movie, we're very, very familiar sure. with it. So, um, but yeah, that was cool. This was this before Ghost Rider. No, this was after. after. Ghost... This was okay. After. So they already knew each other from that movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that uh, typically, you know, we see these women that are more than ten years younger than Nick Cage, and this was no exception. Although in this one, he was uh, he she was a prostitute or some sort of sex worker, call and, girl escort type yeah. person. And so, he, I mean, it's implied that they have something a little more than just that kind of a relationship. Uh, oh yeah no they definitely are in a relationship together he he, he kind of protects her i think as a, like being a police <clears throat> officer um because he's shown to kind of abuse that power for his own benefit throughout the movie yeah yeah but they're they're definitely in a relationship he never pays her or anything like that um he he does give her drugs i guess but it's never shown that they have a transactional relationship right well, other than the cocaine that, that they each ask each other for constantly. But yeah, my next note was caught doing coke with a prostitute. <clears throat> yeah, um, it's just kind of establishing the rules of this world, you know, what what cops can get away with. Um, and in this case, everything, basically. Everything. Uh, yeah. Maybe this one should have taken place in Vegas. So we get a really, really good cage scene next um it was definitely i had seen it before because you know occasionally i'll go on youtube and like search for best nick cage clips and stuff like that to see what other people like of his and this one has been in several of those so i had seen it before um the context didn't really add anything to the scene it was a good scene anyway but the scene when he is at the uh pharmacy Mm -hmm. he's trying to pick up his pain pills and uh it appears to him that the employee there is making a personal phone call while he's waiting on his pain pills and trying to get to the scene of a murder. Um, and so he just kind of goes off. Um, he just like runs to the back himself and grabs a bunch of pills. And I mean, he's doing full going full cage in this oh, moment. Yeah. We're seeing every emotion uh, in a, in a single sentence. Um He's yeah. monologuing, you know, he's been there for 40 minutes and, you know, he's grabbing, he, he seemingly is grabbing specifically his prescription. He's talking about how, you know, he knows what it costs. So he's just like throwing cash out on the counter for, and meanwhile, there's a security guard that comes over and he, this dude, like he, like, doesn't he pull the gun on the security guy? Yeah. And he's like, what are you doing, man? Like the security guard is like, he can tell he's a cop. He's just like, why are you acting this way? Mm-hmm. You know? And clearly the drugs and everything are not giving him the most the best decision making abilities in the moment right right he's having a tough time guys so that was a really good scene i thought you know i i overall i did not really like this movie i'll just go out and say that Mm. so um this scene was a really good one in a movie that i otherwise didn't really care for i i agree it makes me wonder though why like nobody sent in a complaint or anything like that on this. Cause like that was very erratic, uh, aggressive behavior that you would think somebody would have, at least the security guard would have reported. It's possible. I mean, I don't know. I I think 
potentially due to like the being in post yeah Katrina New Orleans that maybe police officers are kind of hard to find at this point so they're letting them get away with more there's bigger problems and there's bigger problems you know like the drugs and things like that yeah yeah my next one is interrogation because there's an interrogation scene that happens um I don't remember a lot of the specifics do you remember that so i mean this we we get three interrogation scenes i think throughout the film and it's all very kind of cliche where you know they're trying to get the person to talk and they're like look the other guy is gonna rat you out we know you know the guy i don't i've never heard that name before ever well he says he knows you right like that kind of conversation uh you better tell us because if you don't they will and you'll take the fall it's all very cliche but it's a lot of like really just bad cop worse cop um throughout the film you know nick is a little nicer in the interrogations than val kilmer is or the there's another guy um but uh they're all still just kind of jerks yeah and i'll say that val kilmer i don't his i don't know why they got him for this role because he's really not in the movie that much and he doesn't do anything that would make me go we really need an actor the caliber of val kilmer in this yeah i I would argue that he's just totally wasted in this movie. Agreed. And you would think if somebody said, man, there's this Val Kilmer, Nick Cage movie, you got to check out that it would be like really Uh exciting. But this is completely the opposite of that. I mean, my only thought is is like, maybe he just wanted to work with Nick or he wanted to work with Werner Herzog, you know, or maybe they had pitched it to him as a bad Lieutenant remake. And that was appealing because the original was fairly high regarded, uh, highly regarded. I don't know, but yeah, he had, you could have swapped him out with anybody pretty much yeah i mean we've seen so many nick cage cop movies you could there you could pick any random actor from any of those movies and put him in there and it would have been fine yeah because i mean he um, is, he's barely in it he has maybe two scenes of real value right um so we we get some references i can't remember if we get references or if we get oh no this is there's a guy that he knows that's in the property room what do they call it in this is that what they call it the property like yeah. where they keep the evidence they don't yeah. call it the evidence room though and he has this deal going with this guy where he gives him drugs from evidence and i i don't know what the guy gets in return well he's doing it as a favor to nick because nick got him off on something that he gotcha. did i can't remember what it is now of course like that's the problem right this movie like is not super memorable and this is this character is played by Michael Shannon, uh, which I was initially really excited about because uh, he's usually you know phenomenal. But again, I guess one scene. He's kind of wasted in this movie. Yeah. Um, he does have one scene later that I think is a pretty good scene. It's one of the only times in the movie somebody pushes back on Nick when Nick is demanding things. But yeah, he did something at some point that Nick helped him get out of trouble for, and so now he feels like he owes you know nick something right so so then we get a really really weird scene with uh nick being the worst possible cop he can be because he's following these people out of presumably a nightclub or some sort of bar or something and uh or strip club potentially um and they're crossing the street and he is just being super obvious and you they think. still somehow yeah. have no idea that he's there. Even when he comes up on them and has his lights and everything on, they are so oblivious. So he follows them into this parking lot where they're next to the car, their car, and they're like making out or whatever. And he turns his lights on and gets out and starts basically like, I don't know if gaslighting is the right word, but basically making them feel like they did something wrong uh when they didn't really necessarily do anything wrong. I mean, they had drugs on him, but basically his whole goal was get drugs from these people and well yeah he's harassing them like there's there's no real cause here right now like i'm not a lawyer you're not a lawyer or anything right but these are just two people who are not causing any trouble who walked i guess maybe they jaywalked maybe that's that's the the worst crime they they had but maybe that's enough for nick to be able to stop them you know legally maybe that's jay i know some some cities have jaywalking some don't um so maybe that's what it was but it it turns so fast, so negative, so fast that it was really uncomfortable and confusing. Yeah, basically, like they Nick harasses the dude so much that he 
he gets some drugs from him Mm -hmm. and then the woman the guy's complaining about how like his life will be ruined if his dad finds out and so the woman starts coming on to nick and like basically giving him a blowjob in the middle of this like public area and i i I, so she doesn't oh it wasn't a blowjob yeah he's just like jerks him off or something yeah but i don't know if that's even like Towards the end of it, it looks like they're almost like actually having sex. Maybe they end up doing it at the end. In any case, the guy that was like, my dad's going to kill me, tries to run away. And Nick fires a gun and tells him he has to stay and watch. Mm-hmm. And so that's also a card on our bingo card. Our KJO card is Nick fires a gun. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, it's a really uncomfortable scene. Uh, he also makes the woman like dump out her purse and he takes drugs from her as well. It's just all like, it just kind of spirals. Cause on one hand, you're like, all right, this guy's got, clearly he's got a, a drug addiction at this point that we assume began with the back injury. Right. But he was an asshole before the back injury. So maybe not, maybe this isn't new and maybe, right. you know, it's kind of hard to tell, but then, yeah, like what he does with this couple, especially the, you know, with the woman, like is just, like a different level of bad right i mean it's not like rape or anything it's she's i mean consenting I, but it is I, I guess it is kind of coerced it's definitely coerced man i i i think this qualifies um, yeah it, it's not great i mean regardless you have a person it's, it's, in an authority position wielding a weapon right who's making threats you know and coercing you into those actions i mean i, th- I think it definitely counts he wasn't asking her anything for sex. I mean, that was not something that was brought up. That was her offering to do that to get her boyfriend out of it. Um, yeah, but... I but mean, I he... mean, say either way, this is not something we really need to dig too deeply into. <clears throat> it's bad. Either it's way, a bad scene. It's bad. Yeah, it's, it's just uncomfortable. It's designed to be uncomfortable. It's just trying to show you... You know, each, each scene seems like it's trying to drop the limits for his depravity like a little bit more each time um yeah so the cops are terrible in this that's what my next note was which obviously if if you haven't figured that out at this point yeah all the cops are terrible um my next note is exhibit because i had forgotten he was in this and i was like holy crap that's exhibit um not not really somebody that you see a lot acting um so that was interesting uh, he wasn't bad by any means. I did, he didn't stand out as any kind of terrible actor or anything. So no, I mean I'd argue he was one of the brighter spots of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean... I would agree. He, <laughs> he was a played a very calm character that, like, even in the face of things being kind of crazy around him later on in the movie, he's very calm. Mm-hmm. But he basically plays this I think, character I think named Big Fate or something like that, who's That's kind right. of like the lead drug guy. Yes, so all the other drug guys kind of get their supplies from or whatever um my next note is casual drug theft i think he's stealing from the uh property room or whatever didn't isn't this when he gets relegated to the property room so he i mean he steals the couples the woman has a crack pipe and that's kind of how all the sexual stuff starts is well this is this was after that this is this notes after that yeah I'm not sure. I mean, he, oh, he okay. steals a lot of drugs. Yeah, in this, so, so it's hard to say. He does. He gets relegated to the property room, um, and a couple of officers are dropping off some evidence, and he claims that the scale That's is right. broken, um, and so he'll get them the the voucher later, and then right. yeah, he skims off. He skims off just enough of the drugs so that what's being turned in is still a felony. Yeah. Right. So I mean, like, he's not an idiot, right? He might be an asshole, but he's not dumb. Right. right. Everything he does is extremely calculated. It's thought through. He's kind of like a, a, a an alternate version of his character from the trust. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the character from the trust is way more interesting, in my opinion. That I mean, that's fair. I preferred the trust, but like, he, you know, this is just a guy who's very smart, but he's like also off the rails for sure. Uh, and so then we see him. This is where we start to see the other side of his addiction. He goes into like this bar. And there's a, there's a guy that I don't know what you would call this particular person, but it's a, bookie. Uh, a bookie. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he takes bets and, you know, pays out when people win and everything else. And it's clear that him and this character have a uh, past 
he talks about how he owes him a bunch of money and he's let him get away with it for a while and blah 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 but he but nick cage's character wants to put the money down still and the guy's like okay but you have to get my son out of this traffic ticket or my daughter out of this traffic ticket i can't remember which it was um you know they she had they had some cops harassing him and you know they they don't want i don't want this ticket on the record and so he goes oh yeah no problem no problem no problem so then we see him going up to like the scene of a major traffic accident and it's i think the highway patrol or something mm-hmm. versus like he's like a state like a city officer and the, the he goes to the, the ticket came from a highway patrol officer so he goes up to this highway patrol officer which i don't think is the one that gave the actual ticket it's like a supervisor or something right and uh this guy he's like trying to get this guy to just take care of this ticket um you know but it's like one a favor from one cop to another mm-hmm. uh and the guy is just not having it because he is not corrupt <laughs> whereas nick cage is fully corrupt right uh and so yeah they go back and forth for a while and nick's like fuck you and you know everything else he's leaving and all of a sudden someone from his past shows up who happens to also work at the highway patrol and it is uh an actress that i knew from uh from uh what was the, <laughs> the, water, the boy. water boy that's what yeah, it was the water Fer- boy uh Feruza balk yeah i'd only ever seen her in that but uh yeah she was good in this too um she plays like a former part or not a partner but like somebody he's worked with before and there might have been some like romantic feelings at that time that weren't mm-hmm. acted upon um but he finds out, you know, she's he. They're they're having good conversation. He finds out that she's usually in the property room, and then all of a sudden he's like super into her. Uh huh. And so the next scene, they're like, she, he's like coked out of his mind, laying on the bed, and she's in like a dominatrix almost outfit. And it's just black lingerie, man. Was it? I don't yeah. know. She was acting like, very dominant in the scene. I'll say. Yeah, it was it she looked good but it was it was just black lingerie sure okay but she was acting very dominant over nick and like trying to get into this whole you know kind of role play thing and and nick's character is just not really <laughs> like he he's just there to get drugs from her property room and which is which is sad because she seems like she's really like trying to have it have a fun you know time she seemed cool yeah, and he just seems like he's so coked out of his mind he can't do anything and just, you know, just brings up getting, if she could get some drugs for him, that would be great. Um, But she isn't into that either, I don't think. She doesn't get him drugs, does she? Not that I'm aware of. They don't show it if she does, but it's, yeah. It was just another scene to show, you know, he's just how bad he is. Um. So, yeah. Oh, uh, okay, so the... uh. At after the date night, I think it goes back to the scene of the car accident, and there's like an alligator next to the side of the road or a crocodile, something something along those lines, and it's just like a camera, like an alligator cam, basically, like following this creature walking along the side of the road. Yep. For for <laughs> not, and it's not just like a quick scene; it's for a while. I mean, all of these weird ass reptile scenes that are in this movie. They are not short scenes. They're meant to like make you go, "What is happening?" Uh, and I, I did that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's supposed to be. So they're supposed to be like drug sequences, essentially. That like he's hallucinating, but I'm not sure why he would be hallucinating that because he's not he's not there anymore. If that makes sense, so it's just very strange. Yeah, I did. I like. I later on in the movie was like, okay, he's hallucinating the this, but he wouldn't have been hallucinating that, right? So yeah. I don't get that. What that's supposed to be, but it is what it is. Um, and then of course this is also another younger love interest, so that he gets two in this. Um, so then they go. He goes to like this uh, stakeout. They're staking out for one of the other suspects for this, uh, or one of the other leads towards figuring out this murder and uh he's talking to val kilmer and a couple other cops there and uh there's he's like what's with these iguanas and there's like a table next to him and it has you can see an iguana and a bearded dragon on it Mm -hmm. um which is kind of weird 
but apparently it's not an iguana because Val Kilmer says it's not an iguana. No, it is an iguana. There, that's I, what I thought. There, I, I, one of them is a green iguana. The other one is a bearded dragon. But I think uh, they were imagined by Nick Cage. So that's so Val Kilmer was like, "That's not an iguana. There's no iguana." You know what I mean? Those, so you're, those are in his head. Yes, I think so. Wow. I think all these weird like reptile scenes are, yeah, he's hallucinating. Fascinating. Does that I, change the movie for you? I mean, a little bit. Like I that never occurred to me. So that that's interesting. Um, Herzog was actually quoted saying though that quote, there is nothing more wondrous than seeing Nicolas Cage and a lizard together in one shot. I mean it is wondrous, but saying that there's nothing more wondrous, that seems like a little bit of a stretch. And we get two lizards in this one and Nicolas Cage. So I, he was the director, man. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Maybe that's why I mean, I guess yeah, in so real much. life, perhaps in real life, that that might be true. I can't say I've experienced that in real life. So maybe that's a different scenario. Perhaps. Um, so, yeah, then we get it again. Another lizard cam. It's like a zoom in on the iguana specifically. It is not happy about the lizard cam, by the way. No, it. I felt kind of bad for it because, you know, when you have reptiles on a set like this or, or in any place that they need to be like kind of calm because they're cold blooded, you they kind of just keep them cooler than what they normally would be. And that kind of makes them more docile. Um, And, you know, so I know this lizard is already not super comfortable because it's body temperature is probably low but then they're harassing it with this camera yeah and for a shot that doesn't really mean anything i mean clearly i it went over my head anyway because i didn't even think about the fact that they weren't really there so but even if they even if it is there though does that add any like either way does it add anything to the movie it doesn't really for me no i mean i obviously a guy that does all these different drugs heroin cocaine throughout the movie is going to be hallucinating and, and things are going to happen so i mean it's not like mind-blowing that we see that he sees lizards you know what i mean no 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 um so yeah lizard cam then my next my next note is did he just threaten to shoot a kid yeah i don't remember exactly what that was in reference to but so they're gonna go bust down uh and get one of the other guys i forget which one this is i think this might be i think this one i think the second guys is midget um that's the character's the character's name yeah um and they're in like row homes if you're familiar with row homes they're kind of like you know they're like townhomes but you have a lot of them connected together instead of just like two and they've all got like i mean they've got like 30 guys with their guns on this dude's door but nick's like "Eh, just hang on a minute and he decides to go next door yeah a woman answers with a baby you know a fairly young kid um and Nick's really like, you know, basically do what I'm telling you to do or like we're going to shoot you is, is more or less what he says. Yeah. And, and he's she, like waving his gun around the whole time. They let, which he does a lot in this movie. A lot. She lets him into the house and he goes through the whole house and he goes out the back and he's basically going around the back to get like sneak up on this dude who, of course, is looking out the front window at the 30 people who are ready to shoot him. And Nick gets the jump on him. Yeah. Like, I guess like that was clever and that was smart. I do kind of wonder what the protocol is for that. And if someone should have been with him or, or what, I don't know. It just seemed kind of, well, rogue. then he, then he sits on a bed and shares a joint with the guy that they're supposed to be mm-hmm. pulling in, which is super weird behavior. And then he gaslights the guy about it later. Right. While they're being interrogated. Um. So my next note is Jennifer Coolidge. Uh, she is the, I, she's not Nick's mom, right? She's his, his the dad's wife or dad's so his, girlfriend. So his stepmom. Stepmom, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know if they ever say if they're actually married or not, but, um, yeah, she is playing something against type. Like this is a, I hadn't really seen her. I guess I really only know her from like Legally Blonde and a few other movies where she's playing a very specific type of character. Oh, uh, American Pie. Yeah. Um, you know, specific type of character. But in this one, she's definitely playing a different character. And I, I thought she was really good. She was. I think since those movies, she's taken on more serious roles. And I think she's really excelled at them. Yeah. Um, 
know, I, but yeah, she, she plays a very kind of sad, uh, worn down person who, uh, is an alcoholic. It's not really said out loud, but it's definitely alluded to multiple times throughout the film. Um, and she, she, they're visiting, Nick decides to visit his dad. And so like, this is kind of our first introduction to his dad and Jennifer Coolidge's character. Yeah. And the dog. Right. Right. And we uh, find out that his dad, it, you know, it, is an admitted alcoholic and he's trying to get back into AA and he's struggling with it. And um, so he's yeah. trying to get rid of all his responsibilities. Right. Because right. he doesn't think he can handle responsibilities while he's in recovery. Right. And um, that includes the dog. Mm-hmm. And, and so the house Nick- is old. It's in a pretty big state of disrepair from what I could tell, but it's a fairly large house. So I would think that at some point the family had money, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Nick offers Nick's character offers to take the dog and uh, he takes it to his girlfriend. Um, and she's like, why are you bringing this dog here? And she, she's like, she clearly likes dogs. But she also clearly doesn't want the responsibility of a dog because of her lifestyle. Yes. And yeah. uh, she she asks him, what's his name? And he's like, I don't know. I'll call my dad and find out or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just a really it she t- shows you how much the character cares about all the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did get a green screen driving scene in there as well. Oh, did we? I missed it. Yeah. OK. There was a green screen driving scene. Ding. Um, bathroom search was my next note. I don't bathroom remember what that was in reference to. Bathroom search. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't ring a bell. Okay. And Sorry. then my next note is where did the dog go? <laughs> the dog's just hanging out in her apartment or her condo. Or well, whatever. no, there was a, they like went driving or, oh, so no, they, they, she left and the dog was with like the, bellhop or something he had offered to take care of the dog for like the mm-hmm. day right and then he's like but i can't take the dog anymore and then the dog is just like never brought up again oh i thought he took the dog uh back to his dad's house i guess but no because the dog is there later right but it just disappears and the dog just kind of vanishes for a little while yeah that is unclear it's unclear what happens to the dog for a, a good like 15 20 minutes of the movie yeah so he's doing anything he can at this point. He's it's the movie is showing a lot of like his depravity, but it's also showing like he's trying to solve this crime. Right. And at one point he's harassing these two old women. Um, yeah. And so like and there's specifically this one scene where he's hiding behind a door shaving and they come <laughs> in this shaving. door. Oh, my God. And they come in this door and he like po- pops open the door once they're in the room and he's got like an electric razor and he's just like shaving while he's threatening them and he like they the the, one of the women's grandson it what was a witness to the murder right and so he's trying to find this grandson so that he can testify or whatever because he's in town yes and so he takes we did skip some stuff now i know now i know what you mean by the bathroom scene this must have been when the kid disappeared and he had to go search out the bathrooms yeah probably oh yeah 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 yeah. i remember that um, but so yeah, the, the, he's there is an important part in there we should probably talk about. Go for it. Uh, which is so he he has this kid. This kid's kind of in like a very loose witness protection. Basically, uh, Nick just has to watch him indefinitely. So they he drives out to where his girlfriend is, uh, Eva Mendez's character, and it's at like this Hollywood casino or whatever. And he goes to see her in her room, and she has been hit in the face. Um, so she has a black eye. She's covering with sunglasses and the guy is still there. Um, and so Nick more or less threatens this dude. And the dude is very cocky, very strange. She's like, don't you know who my friends are? You know? Yeah. He's, like, he, he's listing all these names that mean nothing to me. Or um, him, or Nick Cage's character, really. Right. Like we have no idea who these people are. Like if Nick doesn't know, I don't know. Um, right. And so that's, and then the kid runs away. Right. Well, the, and happens. this is where the dog thing happens too, because when he picks up the girl, his girlfriend, and the kid, he picks up the dog as well, and they're all in the car. Right. And they like the they go into so Nick can place another gambling bet, and uh, 
the girl and the kid are together. She's supposed to be watching him, and he's asked to go to the bathroom, and uh, just leaves. Yeah. And uh, the dog at this point is maybe still in the car. I think it's uh, supposed we, to be, but we never see him again after this. I don't think so. Well, no, we do. We do see him again. Oh, okay. Uh, a little bit later. Okay, fair and enough. We'll, we'll talk about that. Um. So yeah, he goes into like those bathrooms. He's searching through all the bathrooms and everything else. But yeah, so the kids skip town, and he goes to threaten these little ladies with shaving behind the door. And like one of the ladies is on oxygen, and he takes the oxygen and like pinches the tube and pulls it out of her nose so that she can't have oxygen. Yeah, this is clearly like an assisted living place, and the grandmother right. works there for this older woman. And yeah, I mean, Nick is straight up cut off her oxygen supply, so she's like losing her breath. Nick's yelling, at and then the he pulls a gun on her. Yep, puts a gun right in her he face. He says, "I should kill both of you right now." Like he has you snapped. Know. He is completely unhinged at this point. Yeah, and apparently the kid like flew to England. Yeah, so the the woman who had the oxygen, her family is well off. They're in England, and I guess she got very close with uh the woman who has been helping her i I don't know exactly what her job title was but her her maybe you know rna uh rn i mean um and they sent the boy to go live with the patient's family in england to protect him yeah which which is nice i mean that's that's a really nice thing to do because the kid was probably going to die so so around this point tell me if you noticed this he definitely like like you said he kind of has snapped at this point Uh but I don't know if it's meant to represent the amount of drugs he's using or something, but he stopped using his lips when he talked and it resulted in this kind of weird, strange accent. So we actually did mark off. Nick has a weird (laughs) accent for this one because you know, when normally when you talk, you're using your lips to make specific noises. But if you watch him through like almost the rest of the movie, he doesn't use his lips at all. That's interesting. That's interesting. And it makes him talk in this really weird way. So I don't know if it's meant to represent that his like lips are numb because he's like been rubbing drugs on his gums and this made his lips numb or something like that. But it's just a weird choice that he started doing it at this point in the movie and didn't do it through all the rest of the movie. Um, no, that that's interesting. That's interesting. And then my next note is shoot the dog. There it is. So what we find out is the dude who hit uh, her name is Frankie. His girlfriend's name is Frankie. The dude who hit her, his dad is like some mob dude. Okay. And he's all mad. So he shows up to Frankie's with two of his muscle dudes. And they've basically kidnapped her and the dog. And they're waiting for Nick to show up to get money back that they stole from the guy because he hadn't paid Frankie. So they threaten to shoot the dog. Now, look, the dog's just sitting there. Dog's not growling. Dog's not biting. Dog is very well behaved. Totally fine dog. Don't threaten the dog. Right. Dog didn't do anything. We don't like that. No, we don't like that. Okay. I don't like that at all. If you do that, you're automatically the worst person in the room. Like that's well, and that's like, why they do it. That's yeah. why they do it because Nick is already such a terrible person. They have to do something <laughs> crazy to make somebody worse than him. I mean, I guess you're right. They've done it on several other movies, similar things, you know. But here's the thing. Nick one-ups the guy by saying, I don't care, kill the dog. Yeah, he calls the bluff. Right? And, like, that's the thing. So, like, who's really worse here? The guy who was bluffing about shooting the dog or the guy who said, go ahead, shoot the dog? And it should be said that this is a pretty rough scene because... Yes, Yes, it is. uh, You know, Eva Mendez is clearly, like, not comfortable. She's sitting... The guy's making her sit on his lap. um, And... The two guys that he's with, that he's like, okay, so we want 50 grand or whatever it was. And he's like, oh, my boys want to take a turn on her. You know, try Yeah, because they've kind whatever. of worked it out that like he's her pimp is like yeah. what they think is happening. Yeah. Right? Because of the way it went down. Obviously, like that's not and the case. He but... goes, well, let's give her some time to clean up and everything. I want... She looks like shit right now or something like that. And Again, like he's a very bright person. Yeah. Right. He's slick. He's got street smarts. He can kind of work his way out of things. And they take his gun. Oh, did they take his gun? So my next note is they took his gun. So I don't remember that part, but okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember he has to, he has to turn his gun in. I remember he gets in trouble 
And Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, that was, yeah. So there's a point where when he gets relegated to the property room, they they take his gun. Yeah, because one of my next notes is he's in the property room, and he um, takes a gun from the property room. In between there, <laughs> uh, I have a note that says guy liner, because he's wearing very heavy eyeliner. Oh, in this movie, and that's when it became the most obvious to me is around this point in the movie. Okay. So, Nothing wrong with that. You were getting lost in his eyes. I was getting lost in his uh, smoky eyes. (laughs) Um, And yeah, my next note is he's in the property room. So he's obviously trying to steal shit from the property room because that's what he does. But there's like six cameras in that room now. Like clearly they know people are stealing stuff. And he's trying to find out like where the cameras can't see. Mm -hmm. But clearly if they're trying to set up cameras in a property or in an evidence room like that, they're going to make sure they can see everything, you know, between all the cameras. Absolutely. Uh, And yeah. So next I have, he's going downhill fast. Yeah. Very fast. Yeah. Dude is spiraling. Oh, and then we get the casual body dump. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So man, there are so many things happening in this movie though. So like, so he's gambled a lot of money away. He's lost a lot of money. He owes, I think, three grand or maybe even five grand by this point in the movie that he owes to his bookie because he keeps losing and he hasn't paid. Right. And so, he, like, has he threatened the kid yet? The football player? Has that happened? I feel like that happens around. Oh, well, it happens right after this. Right. After, okay. Yeah. Because so, right so, when he leaves this place. Okay. So he's making friends with Exhibit, Big Fate. And he's basically saying, like, look, I'm I'm a cop. I can give you a heads up when things are going to go down if you give me a cut. Yeah. Right. So we think he's trying to get money to pay down his debts. That's not what happens later. But he's trying to make all these plans with 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 big fate and all that while these guys are doing a body dump in the river. Right. It's really. Yeah. It's a but really weird scene. I do like what Big Fate's talking about, though. He's like, you know, this is the, like prime real estate because, you know, you build some condominiums here. Like, like you can tell that what he's what a smart guy. He's a smart guy. He's thinking ahead. He's got plans, right? He knows how to do it. Like, he's really thought this through and he doesn't. And you know, the things he's doing will probably better the community there, realistically. I mean, that's what's wild about it, right? That, like, on its face, right? You're like, man, like, dude's got a point. Yeah. <laughs> He's a drug dealer and like he's doing shit that he's murdering people and everything else, but he's also trying to make his community better. Well, so. that's the thing. Like, and we don't ever really know exactly who murdered these people because there's no direct evidence that ever links back to big fate. Nobody's talking. Right. So like, we actually don't know for sure. But we know it, he's taking care of the bodies. So it seems somewhat likely. Those are, those are different bodies. Oh, are they? Yeah. I don't know, but they don't they, these ones have like the concrete shoes and they dump them in like the lake or whatever the in the flooding yeah, concrete yeah. galoshes. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Nick gets done with them and he leaves the leaves Big Fate's place and he runs into this athlete that's a professional athlete, I guess, or no, he's college a co- college. Athlete. college yeah, college this athlete. Is a, this is like basically like a kid, right? Like I know he's like probably like twenty, but. Like, he, yeah, this is a college football player. And Nick does the same thing that he did to kind of those uh, those people when he ended up having sex with the guy's girlfriend or whatever. He uh, he makes this kid, he essentially blackmails this kid into throwing the game. It's so messed up. So that he can win this bet with his bookie. Uh-huh. Um, so again, and, yeah. you know, he's he's coercing and threatening and bullying people around, you know, and it's 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 bad he loves pulling his gun on people is my next note it's uh-huh. just like his favorite thing um and then we get a super cagey scene of him doing drugs with exhibit <laughs> oh man that scene is so great the, yeah. the one in, in big fate's place on yes. his big desk that's such like a it's like a it's like a funnier version of scarface what's right. going on in that scene Right, like Exhibit's got like I think he said he's sixteen pounds. I think he said of pure uncut coke, right? And um, you know, and they're they're kind of going through it. And this is where like Nick's like, I'll just take that. I'll just take my cut from that. I don't need the cash. So like at this point, you realize, oh, so he's not trying to pay off his debt. He just wants more of the drugs. Right. Right. And so he's he's taking hits and he brings out his stolen crack pipe, which he calls his lucky crack pipe. And does something that turns out later to be just brilliant. Yeah, this whole thing was 
partially just to set up exhibit to take the fall for the even if he didn't do it we don't know at this point we, oh right. yes i guess he does kind of admit to it he sort said, of he says like uh i don't want to have to kill any more yeah i guess you're you right know? so these guys were on his turf was basically he his ba- reasoning he, he basically set up evidence to to get exhibit caught like, like it make it makes me wonder like just how brilliant nick's character terrence is in this movie because he's here, off he, drugs Right, because like yeah. he is like high out of his mind right now, and he's still playing like four dimensional chess with these guys. Right, and so yeah, he's like, "Give me a cut of this, and and we'll call it even." And uh, so yeah, then they like smoke crack together. He has exhibit smoke some out of his lucky crack pipe, and uh, the guys that were blackmailing his girlfriend come in because they've been following him. Well, they they've been waiting. He they gave him yeah. two days. And so they come in, you know, with guns out and everybody, it's, it's a very tense situation. And of course there's a shootout and exhibits guys kill all these they guys. They smoke them, man. They, they smoke, them. smoke them. But uh, Nick Cage, his character's like, uh, shoot him again. His soul's still <laughs> dancing. And then it shows this character just like break dancing. I don't even think it's one of the characters. I think it's a different person. It's like another person that they brought in just to no, do a breakdance scene. It's the same guy. It is not the, it's the, the older guy. dude. It is not the older dude. Well, he's wearing the same clothes. Obviously, it's not the same actor, but I'm saying it's meant to be the same person. And so, sure. yeah, he's like breakdancing and he's like, shoot him again. And when he shoots him again, the, the breakdancing soul just kind of falls onto the ground. It's a really weird thing. Very weird. But I actually thought it was pretty funny. Like, well, considering the circumstances of what happened in that scene, it was just a really yes. funny way of ending that scene. No, I, I laughed a few times throughout that scene. And like, I laughed a couple other times. Whenever there was a scene really with, with Nick and Exhibit, I ended up laughing because Big Fate is, yeah, he's a bad guy. There's no question about it, but he handles himself in a very professional way, yeah. right? He's very level-headed. He thinks things through, right? And Nick at this point is so coked out of his mind that he's kind of chaotic and spastic. And, you know, and so it's just, it's an interesting dynamic. And at multiple times, you can kind of see Big Fate's like, this dude is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> But he likes that about it. He likes it, yeah. Yeah. Um, So then we get the iguana who's back. Right. (laughs) Sure. Just like wandering through the scene. Uh, Another iguana cam type type thing. And so, yeah, then we find out that that Nick calls one of his other cops, says, you need to go search this crime scene again. Um, You know, I feel like we missed something. And he had placed the crack pipe that had Exhibit's DNA on it in one of the rooms and uh so yeah then they arrest him i mean or they they attempt to arrest him i can't remember um yeah i mean that's the thing so at this point the movie the movie takes another turn where all of a sudden inexplicably everything comes up terrence yeah so i i initially had this theory that like he died when at some point <laughs> from doing drugs, like between things, between because it's like he went to heaven because all the things that he, had been plaguing him throughout this whole movie, like the bookie mm-hmm. came in while he was working and is like, hey, man, you just won all this money and I got my money back. Here you go. Yeah, the, the football player ends up claiming that he's ill, so he doesn't play, which is which is smart. I, I respect that. But the team loses anyway. And so Nick wins. So yeah, Nick wins 10 grand, which is uh, you know, double what he needed to pay back his bookie. Right. Right. Uh Big Fate gets arrested with the this guy new that was DNA evidence. Him. The guy that was threatening him uh that he caught his girlfriend with earlier, he comes in, he's like, Hey man, I heard about what happened. I don't want anything to do with you, so don't worry, we're good. We're we're chill now, we're friends, don't worry. I'm, so that, I'm not going to come after you. So that's another thing just completely gone. Right. That's wiped out. It's good. He's com- he, he gets another award, some commendation. I forget exactly which well, one. He got he gets- promoted to captain. Right. He's promoted. Right. Like and his and, girlfriend's pregnant. Right. And she, she gets clean. She yeah, goes into rehab. Sober. Yeah. Right. So she gets, yeah, she's sober. They get to, together officially. I don't know if they're married, um, but yeah, she's pregnant. He seemingly is doing better. 
right? Because we see him when we see him in the scene, you know, his promotion scene and all that kind yeah. of stuff. He seems sober. Yeah, he does. Right, that's true. They're they're all drinking mineral water, so I guess uh, his stepmom also has uh, has gotten sober as well, and and that's just you know, so they're all doing that together. Um, and so yeah, at that point, you're like, wow, man, like everything worked out for this dude. Yeah. And then the movie continues. And then we got a repeat of the scene with the two where he ran into the people and pressured them for drugs and sex. And he just does it all over again. Yeah. And then he runs into the prisoner that he saved from the prison. Right. Who's gone clean. It's implied and has like a normal job. He's like, man, is there anything I can do for you? And he's like, can we go to the aquarium or something like that? Yeah. And they go to this aquarium and they're just like sitting with their backs to a fish tank in this aquarium. And one of them asks, do fish have dreams? You think, I think it was Nick Cage asked that. Yeah, he does. Cause he's, he's high at this point. Right. So this is, um, Avaristo Chavez, uh, played by Nick Gomez. He, he's like a bell, a bell boy, bellhop at a, uh, at this hotel that Nick is like, in by himself doing drugs right and he's very thankful that nick saved his life and wants to help him like legitimately wants to help him and so he's just kind of like trying to be there for terrence and so they go to this aquarium and they ask if fish dream which maybe somebody out there can answer that for us um but yeah then it just ends and i my last note was ends in aquarium i am too stupid for this movie (laughs) It's either that or this movie is too stupid for me, and I don't know which one it is. But I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not really sure. I don't know like, what the point of the movie was. Like, if you do bad things, then everything good happens for you. Like, I mean, that's kind of what it seemed like. It might be though. Like, even if good things happen, sometimes that's not enough. Why right? he's still alive at the end doing drugs? I mean, but that's the thing. Like, you know, his dad, his stepmom, his girlfriend—they all get clean. They're all sober. Right, they're moving on with their lives. They're bettering themselves, and he—it's just not enough for him, and he's still stuck on that drug train. And you know, maybe that—that's the message that you know, even if everything goes your way, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden everything's okay. Right. Right. Um, maybe, but it seems like a really weird way to get that message across. Yeah, I, I just—I'm trying to find something in it, yeah. right? Because otherwise, otherwise, it's this horrible, terrible asshole person gets everything they could have wanted, you know, and that's just the movie ends, right? You know, so I mean, that's it. That's that's the whole movie uh, in a nutshell. Just kind of sad, depressing, frustrating at times, um, difficult to watch at times, and it's sort of a reboot. I guess so there's some the... people out there that think that it was just they just tacked on the bad lieutenant thing to get more money. I mean, it goes back and forth, right? So apparently the original treatment was called the bad lieutenant, um, but Werner Herzog never saw the original. He wasn't interested in that. And so he doesn't consider it a remake. But um, uh, one of the the people behind the original, uh, uh, Abel Ferrara for ara yeah ferrara uh was furious that this movie was being made uh like hated herzog for it, hated nicholas cage for it later at some point made amends with herzog so it does sound like this was not handled particularly well during development right um but i mean he was a bad lieutenant so. <laughs> yeah that's true yeah so uh, I, guess we, like... I guess we gotta rate this mofo yeah, let's do it. Uh, one through twenty. One is low. Twenty is high. We rate on quality and overall caginess. Ryan, what is your quality score? Man, I don't know. Like it wasn't. There were interesting scenes, and like it's definitely not the worst movie we've ever watched. I don't know. I'm feeling like maybe an eight. An eight? Yeah. Where are you at with it? Yeah, I think I think that that's really fair. I actually think I was going to give it an eight. I'm just double checking. I mean, that's what I gave the Cotton Club and Stolen, and I would put this on the same realm as Stolen. Yeah, that that's pretty good for me too. So, all right, so we have an eight on quality. Then we have caginess. 
there's definitely some caginess in here. He really leans into the injury that we talked about. Uh, there's the drug scenes. Like there's definitely some good caginess in here. It's not like a ton, but there's no, there's, but the scenes that they are, that he is cagey and are big. They are big I mean, scenes. So I'm tempted to put this kind of in the middle, maybe like a 10. Wow. I was thinking like 14. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean the the scenes that he's in, he's really cagey. Like when he when he goes all out, you know, there's some movies where we get a little cage throughout the whole movie, but this one when he goes into full full cage mode, I mean it's big and you remember it. Okay. I mean, I mean think I... of that think of that scene with him and Exhibit doing those drugs and like the soul dancing and he's, you know, all this like just the way he was going in that scene. That scene alone is probably I probably would have put it at 10 if that was the only cagey scene in the movie. I mean, that's, that's fair. I, all right. I'm not going to go as high as a 14. I'll go with okay. a 12. That seems fair. We'll even out at a 13. All right. So we got a 13 on caginess and an eight on overall quality for the movie. So that puts it up there. And then we got to figure out what movie is going to replace it on our wheel. O cage. And we will spin that in a separate little video and wind talkers. Uh, the uh, the military movie Wind Talkers will join the Wheel O Cage to find out what movie we're going to talk about next time on the show. Go to comingofcage.com and watch the next uh, entry in Wheel O Cage as we spin to find that out. Ryan, anything else on Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans? No, I think we pretty much covered everything. Uh, I guess we could say he does say Port of Call, New Orleans at one point. Oh, we didn't movie. cover. We did not cover. <laughs> The opening time. So if you go to IMDb or anything like that, the movie is called Bad Lieutenant Port of Call, New Orleans. But when you watch the movie and the title card comes up, it's called The Bad Lieutenant Mm -hmm. Port of Call, New Orleans. I don't know why, like why they why there's these two different names for the movie, but I don't know. Maybe they dropped the the to match the original. Maybe. That's my I don't only know. real thought. But, there. That was an interesting, interesting tidbit. But yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything in the, about the movie now. Cool. The the tagline on the poster is so good, man. The only criminal he can't catch is himself. Is that true though? I mean, <laughs> we only see him really catch one criminal. <laughs> I know it's so bad. Oh man! All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Bad Lieutenant Port of Call, New Orleans, on the Coming of Cage podcast. We've got Keijo, our bingo series. You can go and watch our videos for that to find out if any of us ever get a bingo in a Nicolas Cage movie. You can watch our Wheel of Cage. You can, of course, catch this on your podcast app of choice or our YouTube channel so you can see our glorious faces as we talk about these movies. I'm Derek. That's Ryan. Peace out. See ya. That's who I know Werner Herzog from. I want to see the baby. (laughs) That clip's going at the end of the episode. Just thought you should know. (laughs) Great. Great.